Today's episode of the Strength Talk podcast, hosted by UpDoc Media, is brought to you by the Arc from Verve. If you want to improve your posture, the Arc has you covered. Developed by a physical therapist, designed by an engineer, made in the USA, the Arc is going to improve your posture and relieve that neck and back pain once and for all. What is up, guys? Welcome to the brand new Strength Doc podcast, hosted by UpDoc Media, with me, Dr. John Russin. I want to get one thing clear. This is not going to be your average fitness podcast, and I'm sure as hell not your run-of-the-mill strength coach. Hey guys, Dr. John Russin back with a brand new episode of the Strength Doc Podcast hosted by UpDoc Media. Today, I am joined by Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, who is a family medicine practitioner, an obesity and fat loss expert, and the medical editor of examine.com. We're going to jump into everything related to obesity, fat loss, and training, and maybe even throw around a couple hashtag docs who lift. Let's get right into this episode with my man, Spencer Nadolsky. What's going on, guys? Dr. John Russin back with a brand new episode of the Strength Doc Podcast hosted by UpDoc Media. Today, I am joined by a real doctor, a physician, Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. What's going on, man? Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And, you know, it's Sunday morning. It's 8 a.m. my time, 9 a.m. your time. We're grinding it out. And I just wanted to let everybody know that this is what people do when they want to be successful. So I appreciate you pushing your schedule and getting on this early in the morning on a freaking weekend. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's actually before I, I got on with you, uh, I've been working on my subscription service. You know, I do like a, this newsletter thing. And so it's like, I got to get this done because then tomorrow. I go back to work, and you know, my wife's on a 24-hour call in the hospital, so we gotta get all the work done while she's gone, because then we can spend time together on the time she's home. Actually, so yep, it's a grind. <laughs> yeah, my question was gonna be like, did you get a workout in already this morning? Um, I'm gonna get it done actually later. They're they're um, do you know Precision Nutrition? They're, oh, yeah. they're flying. Flying in some people to video me uh, later to to talk about their certification. So um, uh, I'm going to actually do a workout while they video me. <laughs> <laughs> no so, selfies today. <laughs> so yeah, I got to work doing this, working on the newsletter, my subscription thing, and then they're coming in, interviewing me, doing a video of me working out. Um, then got to finish my finish my newsletter by tonight, and also I'm working on a PowerPoint. I'm doing a presentation for. Um, other physicians on, on on weight loss medicine that I have to get done by this week too. So yeah, it's a busy, busy day and I'm definitely getting a workout in. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, you've had a busy couple months it seems like because what was it? In October or November, you sent me your brand new book, The Fat Loss Prescription. Yeah. And just going through that, I was like, man, this must have taken a long time to get out there. I know just, uh, you know, writing the ebooks, how long it takes, but yeah. you actually sent me a print copy. I was impressed. Yeah, yeah. So it all started this summer. I've always wanted to write a book for my patients because they're always asking me, hey, which book should I read? And there's there's some decent books out there, but I I just I don't agree with pretty much anything that's out there exactly. I mean, they, everybody has their own little their little spiel or shtick that they kind of go with, and I just I never agreed with any of them. So I'm like, I gotta write my own book that's like simple to the point, no fluff. And I was actually supposed to start work, uh, you know. So I switched clinics when I moved up here from Virginia to Maryland. 
um, I was supposed to start work, but there's a, something called a credentialing process where they have to make sure insurances uh, will um, take your NPI number and all this different stuff to basically bill insurance for money. Well, the place I was with, um, basically, they got delayed by a month. So I wasn't working for a month, and I was like, this is perfect time. I'm going to write a book. So I, because I, I was bored at home, I was like, I, I'm not even working. So I was like, I got it. I'll just start writing and started doing that, hired some editors um, and just got it done over a month. And yeah, basically working, you know, eight hour, 10 hour days, just sitting there typing and trying to make it uh, work out. And that's basically what I did and created a little, you know, it's a hundred page book for my patients, all about fat loss and medical fat loss. That's unbelievable. You knocked that out in a month. Yeah, it was, it, it was, I mean, it was working every day and kind of being, you know, sometimes when I do my blogs and I'm sure you like this, sometimes you just don't feel like doing it. Maybe you work an hour or two at a time during the day, but I was, it was, it was like, it's either now or never. So I was pretty, <laughs> I was pretty driven during that month. So, um, Dude, that's interesting because, uh, you know, I moved up to Madison, Wisconsin a couple years ago. It's going on two years ago now. We were just talking before the show and I had never published an article before I moved to Madison. And the one thing that pushed me into, you know, writing for T-Nation, writing for my own site, all of that stuff was I didn't have my insurance and I didn't have my license yet in the state of Wisconsin to practice physical therapy. Ah. So I had a low per period of about three to four weeks. And yeah. my wife's like, well, you love writing. You know, you've done a lot of stuff on this tiny site at the time. So... You know, like a week or two in, it was just like totally like the, the clouds aligned and I got an email from an editor from one of the big sites and he's like, hey, can you work on something for us? And I was like, holy shit, you know, this might yeah. work out. And then, you know, two years later, like doing both things now, it's nuts. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, sometimes you don't pick the opportunities that you have or the time that you have, but you, you have to devote it into something. You have to push in some direction no matter what yep. it is. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny how those things happen. So yeah, that's actually pretty cool because you've been destroying it with all the articles you're putting out. I swear. Oh <laughs> man, got something coming out. The first year, uh, I spent all weekend, every weekend. You know, we have the kids, but every single waking moment that we weren't doing something with them, I was on the computer writing, 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 writing. And I think I stockpiled like a hundred articles at one point in a matter of like six months. But awesome. uh, it's calmed down a little bit <laughs> since then. But, you know, with with the book itself, uh, I, w I was expecting when I turned into it, I knew it was going to be for the average person. But mm -hmm. the way that you broke it down, it was very, you know, I loved it because anyone that you gave it to, anyone that you could recommend it to. So a bunch of my patients and clients, they could go through that thing in a matter of a day or two. Yeah. And they could take away so much because a lot of the times you read somebody somebody's stuff with a doctor in front of their name and it's like what did I just read you know I spent two months reading this 500 page book and I yeah. understand nothing but yeah. just the takeaways with the nine steps I thought it was it was really well done because you could literally go through step by step and if you wanted to draw it out for a week or so you could try to take action for a week on each step and then yep. just try to get the habitual notion of what you're doing under under control yeah, so exactly what you said was was my goal. There's so many books out there that they start off with all this fluff and kind of like what their whole hypothesis or theory or whatever you want to say of what they think is causing 
fat gain or weight gain and obesity and all these different things and it's like okay but let's just let's get in let's just get into the action because it's like you know I go to these conferences every year a couple of them weight loss or obesity conferences and it's like you know a lot of books out there are coming up with their own pet theory but really you know it's it's there's a pretty much a consensus of what's causing obesity and so I kind of briefly touch on those on those things it's quite complicated because there's a bunch of different things that are that are contributing to it but it's like well you know a lot of it we can't even change like our genetics and epigenetics at this point so why don't we just focus on what we can do and 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 so that's what I did exactly what you said and I wanted it to be easy for my patients to read and you know nothing against my patients but you know the average person isn't isn't trying to learn about, you know, the all the different hypotheses of of obesity and everything like that. They don't care about the small little molecular mechanisms of what's going on. Yeah. They they just want to get better. They want to get healthier. They want to lose the weight. So it's like let's just let's just briefly touch on it and then let's get into the to the simple things that we can do to basically uh, treat it. So that's what I did. <laughs> and, and results are king at the end of the day. So you could read, you know, the most profound book in the history of yeah. dietetics and nutrition. Yeah. And Or you could read something that takes you 20 minutes to get through. It's all what you take away and what you can take action on, especially when you're dealing with fat loss, obesity, and general health as you did on this one. But, you know, have you taken away one key point from the book where people contact you and they're like, hey, this was the biggest thing that I took away from the book and I'm making huge changes in my lifestyle because of this chapter or this this one line? Well, I guess, so my approach is more like, okay, so there, there are some people that are like, yes, it's all your fault. Obesity is a choice. You 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 eat like crap, so you choose to be obese type of thing. Then there are other people that say, no, it's a, no, it's nobody's fault. You know, it's, it's, it's like this love who you are and just kind of be who you are. And, and I take the approach of, okay, it's not necessarily anybody's fault, but he, there is ultimately, you do have choices to make in your behavior. There are certain things that drive you to make those choices. Let's understand them quickly and let's see how we can actually make that change and kind of it, it basically what most people like about the book is that I try to empathize with the the patient I try to have some empathy to understand that yeah you might have tried a bunch in the past and it is hard to to lose weight let's try to make it as easy as possible and so they I think the the biggest thing people I get emails about is how they can relate to the book as opposed to just like any one specific tip um, it, it kind of, I don't know, that's kind of the, the general sense I get from most of the emails and yeah. from my patients. Yeah, I took that away too as uh, it was very non-threatening and it wasn't big jumps in any which direction. It was just one habit at a time and just building a sustainable lifestyle around the habits that you get. And then, you know, that's where you go from there. It's not, it's not all right, I diet and then I'm done. It's a continuum yeah. of progression of being healthy getting your weight down to a point where you can do things that, you know, fuel it for the rest of your life, essentially. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what I was going to say. So I got a lot of good, you know, Amazon reviews, but there was one person that that reviewed it recently. It's like, 
what is this? I, I thought you were a doctor. Like, <laughs> I thought you were going to get into like the nitty gritty and all these different things. It's like, well, I, I that you what you describe in your review of the book when she gave me whoever it was gave me like two stars or whatever. <laughs> it was like, well, you described what I was actually trying to do, but you just you're a healthy person that didn't need to lose weight or anything and just I don't know, it was just kind of bizarre, but it was funny because I was like, yeah, don't read the book if you're healthy and already know everything about, you know, weight loss, which I don't think everybody knows any everything about weight loss, but still it was funny. <laughs> There's always going to be that one person, you know, no matter what, no matter if they walk through your office, no matter if they're on Amazon reviews on Facebook, whatever, you can never keep everybody happy. But it was definitely a thing that needed to be written just down to I love the points where like you'd, uh, you'd summarize the research in any given area. And it was like, well, no shit, we know that. But it had to be said <laughs> from somebody that was credible in the field. You know, right, right. if I said it, people would be like, oh, screw that. But somebody that literally does this, who's a fellow of obesity, um, yeah. you know, you have to have some credibility behind your name. And then when you do have the research with that credibility, then statements that may seem simple to the naked eye, they're that much more empowering. Right, right. Exactly. Now, I, I had a question. So in your office, when people walk through and they're like, all right, I'm going to go see Dr. Nadolsky today. We're going to get my weight loss on track. And then they see you like some big jack dude. And <laughs> then they like Facebook you and they're like, holy shit, this guy's yeah. like benching 150s in his garage without a shirt on. Is there any intimidating factor to that? Yeah, well, that's kind of so, – so, you know, I have my personal Facebook page, which I actually changed the name of so I wouldn't get patients <laughs> friending Smart. me. And because they're, they're, you know, that, that does happen. And then I have my doctor page where I do get into a little bit of that. So I, I, I have, I, I've wondered whether, you know, my shirtless selfies would intimidate people. And so I try to stay away from that a little bit on my doctor page, but I, I do do it once in a while just to show I practice what I preach. But I've had some patients say, gosh, I was, I was intimidated, but at the same time it was inspiring or motivating so because that's and I've always worried about that you know especially with the women who don't like to work out you know they don't want to they don't they're not wanting to be you know big and bulky you know that's always the the concern you know <laughs> yeah. so they so they see me and 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 they're like maybe that's I always think that maybe they're thinking yeah that's what's going to happen but what I found is that with my blogs and the way I I I write some certain uh, Facebook posts and kind of, like I said, empathizing, they, they think that's cool. Plus I'm working out. And so they come in, they're like, wow, that's so awesome. I was intimidated a little bit, but it, it is inspiring to me. So, um, I think I've, I think I've done it well. It's either that or the patients that don't come and see me because of those things. I, I, I'm getting a selection bias and I don't, <laughs> I don't actually know, but for, for most of the part, so a lot of patients will come in, they don't know me yet and then they'll Google me and then they'll find it. Or, you know, some of them do seek me out. Of course, they, they, they realize they're in the DC area and they'll come and, and, um, schedule an appointment with me. But, um, a lot of people they'll, they'll call in cause there's no doctor's there are no doctors taking new patients. So they, they find I'm new to this area and they realize, oh, that doctor's taking new patients. So they'll Google you and all my social media, of course, comes up and the blogs and all my 
shirtless videos <laughs> and stuff like that. And so they'll be like, it, a lot of them are like, wow, that's actually really cool. Cause you know, whatever there've been one or two patients that, that have not liked it, I think. But, um, <laughs> but, but for the most part, I, they, they think it's pretty cool. And, and I try not to intimidate them and you know, if, if it happens, it happens, but they, they tend to actually like it, which is pretty cool. I think. Well, I mean, what's, what's their other choice? You go in and see, you know, an obesity doctor who is obese themselves, and they're giving right. you habits to try to work on that obviously haven't worked for them. Right. And, you know, I see that in, you know, the medical profession all the time. Uh, you know, the nurses that are going out and smoking on their lunch breaks or yeah. the physical therapists that have never squatted a day in their life and trying yeah. to remediate people's squat patterns or even, you know, the physicians working on internal health in wellness when they're not living a lifestyle that would show that, you know, even if you, you'd look at them. So right. there, it's, it's a double-edged sword on that. It, it is. I mean, and that, that's kind of why my brother and I came up with this docs who lift. We basically try hashtag. to promote. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag docs who lift. We try, we try to promote other physicians who, you know, they, like you don't have to look like a Greek God. You don't have to actually lift it. Just, just live a healthy lifestyle. It, we, we like to be, somewhat elitist in our meathead ways and say, yeah, you got to lift. But really, honestly, anybody that exercises and, and lives what I would consider a healthy lifestyle, we try to promote that because, yeah, you, I, I do hear it from patients saying, you know, I, I, you know, how am I supposed to listen to this other doctor who, you know, clearly isn't living a healthy lifestyle? I mean, they tell me all the time. And, and there are studies that, that look into that and it's – for the most part, it's actually what they find is that people will listen to anybody, but the people that are most likely to make the recommendations are those who actually do it themselves. So you know, that's why I always say you don't have to look like a Greek god or anything like that, but it just practice what you preach. And if and if we think that living a healthy lifestyle is the best medicine, which it is, um, then we should be doing it. I mean, as physicians, we're supposed to embody uh, health, you know, so do it, you know, don't. And smoke. Obviously, smoking is kind of is is going to be a thing of the past, mostly. But there's still pockets of of people smoking. But it's it's a lot of the diet and exercise habits of physicians are just awful. I mean, just god awful. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because I see that uh, in the academic realm, but also in anyone with truly a higher end education. You're talking like doctorates, PhDs, MDs, DOs. It's almost like uh, you get thrown into this lifestyle in graduate school that's very, very hard to climb yourself out of. I mean, I think the bottom line is because, you know, they're normal people just like anybody else and that it falls by the wayside. You know, even though literally we're in the profession of promoting health, which so I would think, and this is my attitude, is that, no, we, we should embody everything of, of health, but but instead it, it just everybody it turns into a regular job and everybody's crunched for time and it's not the easiest thing to have a good exercise program and and nutrition plan so you just you just do what everybody else does is eat the donuts for breakfast and muffins because it's easy and tastes good and and you don't work out because you've you know, you, you have time, you don't, you, you actually do. I mean, we can all talk about time crunches and stuff. We all have time to work out. I don't care who you are. You can make time to work out. It doesn't have to be much time at all, but you know, you fall into the, that nobody wants to necessarily get up early and work out. It's tough. Nobody wants to work out when they get home and they're tired from their job. It's tough. 
So ultimately, the physicians and other professionals, I mean, I'm sure physical therapists too, um, they they just turn into regular people just like anybody else. And so that I think I think that's a problem though because I think they should practice what they preach. Yeah, yeah, it's a, I think it is a problem too. Um, obviously, there's always going to be those outliers that may not embody what you think they should be, but they have great right. knowledge and they can yeah. positively affect so many people. But yeah, for the exactly. vast majority, um, you know, just the system itself, I think, would be so much better off if we did have more people in passion projects, literally like – like I couldn't imagine you going uh, a week or two without weight training just because yeah. you love to do it. And then that carries over into what you do professionally. Like if you love something and it's your vocation, you're going to be that much more passionate to spread the word to the people that come into contact with you in your office, uh, on the everyday circuit. You know, it's it's one of those things that I couldn't imagine uh, sitting down and writing an article about something that I've never done before or that, oh, I, I don't do that anymore. You know, it, it seems crazy to me. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I, I, it's funny. I get a lot of requests to give me your thoughts on whatever topic in, in medicine. I mean, like medicine's so broad. And it's like, you know what? I'm not even, I'm not an expert in that. I get all these, I mean, I get lots of questions on crazy different things. And it's like, I, 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 you know, I have to go, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert in that topic. I'm a, you know, I'm a physician, but I can't really, let me get you to somebody that actually knows. So yeah, I I wouldn't, (laughs) I don't expect everybody to, to do that either, you know? So that makes sense. Yeah, man. So family medicine is your specialty. So do you end up seeing multiple people from the same family, like managing them as a whole? Yeah, so um, family, yeah, family medicine is something. It's actually a newer, somewhat of a newer um, specialty, you know, compared to some of the other ones. But it's it's basically the idea of yeah, treating a, a complete family from cradle to grave or whatever like that. And um, uh, yeah, you're supposed to kind of see the whole family. You're supposed to get to know them. So you you kind of get into the social aspect of medicine and you're not just treating what they call ink blots on a paper you know labs you're supposed to because yeah i mean mental health and all these different things are such a they're a big deal um they they play a big role in in wellness and everything like that so yeah it's the the idea is really treating a full family and, and getting to know them knowing their social dynamics you know because that's knowing all that is uh, improves the way you can treat people too. So exactly what you said. Yeah, I think that's a powerful position that you're in though because, uh, you know, with those two things kind of branching together with the obesity management and then family care management, uh, is there a trickle-down effect that you've seen from making like market improvements in parents and improving the lifestyle, uh, the health, the wellness, the nutrition of their children as well? Yeah, and this is a, it's actually really cool. So I'll start treating either uh, a teenager or um, or the or a parent for weight loss or obesity, their obesity, and you start seeing all of a sudden the, the the daughter. If you're treating the parent, the daughter will come in and say she wants to lose weight too, or the parent will will be there with the daughter and say, you know what, I should come see you alone and, and discuss with me and then all of a sudden you have both of them together and you you start working together and that that that's actually the most powerful because um if it's only you know if it's only the 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 daughter if it's only the parent that's on board 
um, you don't get as much uh, improvement. Whereas if everybody comes on board, the whole family, even the, the, the dad, the mom, the kids, then it's a big change because if one's not on board, then the other one is going to feel left out and they're, they're, on, they're on their own basically. And I see that all, all the time. Well, I see so many people, uh, especially in America, you know, they're very tolerant of like the love thyself lifestyle or whatnot. Yeah. But as soon as you see like a five or six year old kid that is morbidly obese and then you look at the parent, there's something, there's like a switch that turns in people's minds that are like, all right, you can do whatever you want to yourself, but obviously your lifestyle is directly affecting your children. And yeah. I, I see, <laughs> I mean, even the most tolerable people get pretty pissed off at that uh, because yeah. I mean you're you're no longer just affecting yourself whether it be a lifestyle factor or whether it be you know nature versus nurture but I think just that synergy between uh, having the multiple generations working together uh, it's got to be such a powerful thing to see in office yeah it's really cool and you know some but sometimes the parent I don't know it, it we could have whole lectures on this and I go to lectures at conferences that discuss this but a lot of times the parents don't even see that their their child is uh, obese you know has obesity and it's and they just see them as a normal child but it's like oh my god you no you, you have to show them the numbers the growth curves where they're like way off the charts and the BMI and all these different things um, and so, yeah, some, sometimes, you know, they're, I don't know if it's their enabling or I don't know what the heck it is going on exactly, but yeah, that's, it is, it's, it's cool to when you finally show them, they go, oh, and then everybody gets on board. It's, it is powerful. It is powerful because, you know, I see uh, even my kids, uh, they know that we're going to eat vegetables at dinner. We're going to mm -hmm. prioritize protein. Uh, they see mommy and daddy go to the gym every day. Uh, yeah, that's good. You know, things like that. It's not like you force feed it, but just from the osmosis effect of mm -hmm. having uh, that kind of lifestyle in the household, you know, all of a sudden, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but for my daughter's sixth birthday, she got a, a little toy weight training set. Yeah. And it's not like we pushed it upon her. We're like, all right, man. Daddy, now you're going to really learn how to clean and jerk with this little bar. Right. It's like, no, not whatsoever. But that, that's what they see and that's what they embody is what she should be doing because, oh, you know, they do it. But it's one of those things that it, I don't know what's going on with our society over the last like 20 years or so or even 30. But, you know, we're just taking this physical decline uh, you know, I look at it from an orthopedic standpoint, first and foremost, I know you're looking from a systemic health, but mm -hmm. just from uh, the research that you're current on and just the practical things that you see in the office every single day, you know, are we still on that physical decline in terms of obesity and generally being sick or are we kind of getting ourselves out of the gutter? <laughs> yeah, I swear every other time one of these CDC reports comes out, they'll say that, Obesity in, in adolescents or in adults is stabilizing, and then all of a sudden, next time I say, "Nope, it's on the rise again." And you know, I, I think we're still steadily it, it, all, all around. We're still steadily increasing. You know, especially you see those percentages of the severe obese or like class three obesity or super obesity or whatever anybody term wants to use. The, the people that have like the extremely high. Uh, BMIs like in the 50s um, type of thing but uh, yeah I, I, I think when I see a patient it's more it's more often than not they're they have obesity so I don't I don't see 
anybody that's I don't see that very many people that are, are, are normal, healthy weight. It's, it's, it's actually not common. And the reason I don't see them either is because they, they don't have any issues. But, you know, people do come in for physicals a lot to see me. A couple times a day I see physicals. And it's it's not very often I see a, a physically fit person, to be honest. And, you know, that's kind of the way it is now. And so there are plenty of people out there that need help. And so that's kind of why it's like we're, we may be fighting an uphill battle, but um, we're trying to do the best we can, really. Yeah. And, you know, that's interesting because there's so many of those tweeners out there, you know, the pre-diabetics, um, yeah. the overweight but not obese. And mm-hmm. it's almost like we we accept those people right now in the kind of culture that we have is like, oh, they're fit, you know, compared yeah. to everyone else. But I see those people as an opportunity to be uh, really just focusing in on preventative care as yeah. opposed to like, oh, my God, you're 50 pounds overweight now. Uh, you know, it's becoming a health issue. You know, your blood lipids are up. Your metrics are mm-hmm. off the off the chart. Now we need to start making remediation. But I think some of, uh, you know, the yearly physicals, the yearly checkups, just having, uh, you know, something to count on and a file to look at every single year, every six months is super important because, you know, things can climb up on you quickly, especially when it comes to your health, your weight, and the way, when I look at it, you're able to function. Yep. Yeah. So a lot of these people that come in, you know, they may, they, they may think of themselves as normal and healthy, but most of the people, I mean, they're, you know, maybe their, their blood sugars and, and their lipids and blood pressure are, they, they're, high normal and they you know you, you tell them that they're technically normal but they're in the high normal range and that you know like their BMI is technically not in the obesity range but it's it's in the overweight range and your waist circumference is pretty high and you're at high risk for these metabolic diseases that you talk about a lot of people just <laughs> a lot of people don't want to hear it and and so it's it's bringing it up in a very um it, making it seem like a safe environment for them to where they can discuss it a little bit. Yeah. So it's it's hard. It, it is tough to do, but yeah, I mean, so many people. I have to like, hey, um, you know, this while this is in the normal range, and actually, you can get even more advanced um, uh, levels of things. Like you can get fasting insulins, and you can get all sorts of little markers that show insulin resistance and and inflammation now. Although insurance doesn't pay for them, so you got to be careful. It's convenient, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like, so it's it's convincing them. Then hey, we gotta we gotta be careful. So you know, everybody I, I ask about, you know, I use exercise as a um, as a vital sign. So how much do you exercise? Well, and they pretty much the majority, ninety percent say, uh, I, I don't exercise. I know I should. I mean, that's that, but I'm physically active at work. That's that's. I mean, I feel bad with saying it, but they. Most of them say that I'm I'm pretty physically active. It's like that's probably not enough. Um, I don't care what you, I don't care what you're doing. If you're walking around, that's great. I think that's great, but that's it doesn't replace uh, a formal exercise program. I, I don't think unless you're truly a manual laborer and that's all you're doing is moving all day. But I don't know. Yeah, there's something to be said about that too. Is like you know, climbing out from a, you know, a health situation where you need to start addressing some of your systemic health is that, you know, walking 10,000 steps a day, it's an awesome start. Mm-hmm. You know, there's 
absolutely something to be said about just your daily activity, moving more, moving more, moving more. But if you want to be able to sustain the weight loss that if you're your goal is weight loss, you're probably going to have to do a little bit of body recomposition, get yeah. in, start getting those habits. And, you know, one of the easiest things to do is try to prioritize muscle and start eating uh, for your muscles. So, I mean, I may, you're the expert on this. So what do you think about just obviously you're going in and saying, hey, you guys should be doing some sort of physical activity. I don't care what it is, but ultimately should everyone try to be resistance training a little bit? Yeah. I so a lot of my patients they're already doing you know the walking like you said and so it's and that's great and some of them are doing none of it but you know a lot of them think that in order to lose weight they got to do the cardio which yeah by by and large aerobic training will result in more fat loss than resistance training but it, but that's that's myopic or myopic or whatever whatever you want to say is is when you look at the big picture you you want People want to look good. They don't want to just lose weight. I mean, I know they want to see the number on their scale going down, but if you want to look good and you want to feel good, you ultimately want probably a, a combination of both. So a lot of my you know patients will say, all right, well, I started doing the elliptical. And that's great. I think that's awesome. But my goal is for all of my patients to at least do a couple days of resistance training. And that's part of the reason why a lot of them I offer to go to the gym with them. I'm like, I will go with you. I'll just... I'll, I'll get a day pass wherever you want to go, and I'll, I'll teach you if you can't afford a, a trainer or something like that. And that's ultimately why I want a clinic that's a gym, really, is, is that I can pull them over, saying, show them that weightlifting's not scary, it's not going to be miserable. I mean, some people may have a little bit of pain, of course, and at first, good pain, um, and, and feel like, yeah, I'm not used to this. But yeah, ultimately, I want my patients lifting weights. You know, I want them to build their muscle and feel powerful. And uh, and ultimately, that's what's going to make them truly look better, not just for weight loss, but to form their body the way it's supposed to be. Um, and so when I get the patients into that, they feel so great. It, it's it's a really cool thing when they've never done it before. Oh, man. I can't imagine in uh, five, ten years in the future that there won't be medically oriented gyms with multidisciplinary practices. I, like, I hope so. I, I like That's my goal. I would love to be a part of that. It would be amazing, you know, having uh, obviously the physicians there to direct everything, having movement specialists, personal trainers, dietitians. Uh, you know, health and wellness practitioners. It, I, I think that would be an amazing opportunity to get into. But again, it's all a matter of being handcuffed by the payers, right? The yep. insurances. Yeah. And, and that's why it would eventually have, it, like, so here's the thing. I mean, we could get into the politics of, of, um, of, of medicine and stuff, but like, so I ultimately think some people say, no, we need to get insurance to pay for that and all this different stuff. And, and that's fine, but I also think I see this model of, of a cash-based practice. If you do it right, it doesn't have to be a, a boutique concierge type of thing that only rich people can can um, afford. You, you kind of price it in the middle where all of a sudden your overhead is low, but you, they're paying uh, uh, enough money to obviously pay your bills and give you a, a normal doctor salary or whatever. And then... You cut the the damn coders and billers out, 
And so then your overhead's lower. So, and then you're treating the patient like with all you got with wellness and lifestyle, you're going to reduce costs from that because they're going to get healthier and not need medicines and stuff like that. So I think, I think that a cash based practice would work really well with that, but then it's convincing, you know, the people that, that that's actually something they should be putting money towards, you know? So it's, it's cause everybody wants insurance to pay for everything, but yeah. I, there are different mindsets out there like, well, car insurance doesn't pay for oil changes, you know, and, and, and the normal, uh, preventive work, you know, unless you have some special warranty that you bought. So like, why would insurance pay for a gym membership? I mean, like, I don't know, but then some people say no, but if, it, if you did, then everybody would go. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer, but, um, I think we could explore a few different models out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it needs to be, um, and you nailed it because it is the mindset of <laughs> what am I willing to invest in? Even, you know, if I'm driving myself into the ground physically, you may not be wanting to invest in what you need to be investing in. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, you know, paying a copay and your insurance coverage, it's everything else. It's enough to get you through the door, but other times it just won't hit the majority of people that do need a, a specialty service like you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, in terms of uh, just screening for having factors that may predispose obesity, uh, predispose unhealthy lifestyles, what I look at it as is, you know, at one time in everyone's life, I think they were like at an apex of what they were able to do physically. They were eating okay. You know, everyone mm -hmm. always goes back to that time if you talk to somebody. Oh, yeah, you know, 15 years ago, you know, I started uh, marathon running and I, my diet was on point. And then you look at them today and it's like, oh, man, you know, like you and I were both college athletes. So I think we've lived a, a sort of lifestyle our entire lives that kind of reflect what where we're at today but for a majority of people I think uh, you know whether it be two weeks two months two years they have had something that was you know decent in terms of exercise in terms of nutrition overall wellness but from whatever reason something just happens and what I see in my clinic and my office is people walk through and it's always an injury that gets them you know, yeah. it's like they get hurt doing something and then all of a sudden that snowballs into five years of inactivity and yeah. 50 pounds on. And, you know, I'm biased here because, you know, I'm a movement guy, but I feel like if we could just screen out some of these, um, some of these factors like, oh my God, I've never seen somebody move that badly. You're about to get hurt if you are physically active. Let's remediate right away. Or, you know, just seeing somebody and pushing them in the right direction right away where, uh, you know, the first line of defense many times is uh, that yearly checkup and that yearly physical. But, you know, over the last 10 years, there's a lot of personal trainers, physical therapists, allied health professionals that are almost becoming that first line of defense because it is so hard to get in with your primaries yeah. where we need, we need some uh, some screening process that may only take a minute or two, but could really just, uh, you know, maybe get 15 or 20 percent of the people that would fall through the cracks on the right track right away. Yeah, no, it's it's actually a funny thing. Is so I see most of my practice now is is turning into obesity medicine, which is what I really like to do. And a lot of people they'll come in and they're like, "Cow, I was whatever, 130 pounds, or 100 if they're you know females, 130, 140 pounds. Now they're 200 pounds because they they whatever they tore their ACL or what I don't know whatever they did to their ankle, their knee." 
Um, and now a few later, a few years later, they're 50 pounds heavier and it's like, gosh, well, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was just a, a freak accident. Maybe there was something that could have prevented that injury, but that is extremely common. So I don't, I, I wish, yeah. And so then they're used to eating the way they were, yep. you know, so and then they go from, burning 500 maybe i don't know thousand calories a day i have no idea how much they were doing before but it must have been a lot because they were maintaining that certain weight with their diet and normal exercise plan and all that change was their exercise maybe their diet change maybe they felt depressed and so they started eating more you know a little bit because they were kind of drowning their sorrows type of thing and then all of a sudden now that they can move again because they healed up they don't because they're just now they're in pain because they're um, because now they have the weight and not even from the exercise portion, you know, from their injury. They're just they don't even feel well because they're got an extra fifty pounds. So if there's a way to prevent that, that would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I I go through and it could be something as simple as like, can you a toe touch? Just look at like spinal movement. Uh, you know, can you go up and like attempt a squat or something like that? You know, mm-hmm. just a super, uh, you know, requisites, five, six requisites on one movement and boom, 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 yes, no. But I might, I may be thinking in like a utopian way here that yeah, everything's going to be good. But yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating sometimes because so much can be prevented and preventing is so much easier to treat and to manage than trying to put out the fires once you have the flames up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, I, I want to get into a couple uh, of the, the, rather, the rather funny Facebook things that you put out. And I saw something a couple months ago that, you know, you recommend Planet Fitness to your clients, which I think is hysterical because <laughs> you're in the fitness realm. You know, a lot of fit pros listen to you and they, they love your work, but fit pros hate Planet Fitness. So hate you it. just like hit that on the head with a hammer, man. <laughs> yeah, well, because so let's, we'll be honest. I mean, yeah, Planet Fitness, you know, you got to, it's, they stick a bunch of cardio equipment in there and they try to, you know, basically get you paying $10 to where if you don't come back, you don't care about the $10 a month. However, you know, and they have their pizza nights, whatever. <laughs> However, if, if, if used correctly, that would be the cheapest gym ever and they don't need and most of my patients don't need any more equipment than what they have at a planet fitness no it's not can do it's not a community-based gym you know it's not a crossfit box or you know one of these niche um uh gyms small small box gyms that create a community aspect and everything like that but if you're if you don't have a lot of money and use it correctly it can be amazing so i'm kind of like well let's not talk crap about it let's just we could utilize it if, if you know, if we want to. Some patients can't afford that two hundred, three hundred dollars a month that some of these boutique gyms cost, and you know, maybe they can't even pay the thirty, fifty bucks a month at a maybe like a, a bigger box gym like Gold. So all of a sudden, you know, ten bucks a month with all the machines and dumbbells that they need for an actual good weight training. Um, program let's let's not harp on it maybe we can actually use it to our benefit so that's yeah basically what i talk about it's like well let's let's not be crazy here i understand it's not like a hardcore gym and doesn't have the community and whatever and it's basically set up to have you fail and not come back but if we 
coach people on it from especially from an online uh, standpoint and to my patients it can be used and used well I think anyway oh yeah I absolutely agree too and you know not everyone has to be throwing barbells around left and right to get in decent shape and to become healthy and there's a lot to be said about your behavior as opposed to the environment that you're in You know, there's many cases in life where you can be in shitty, shitty environments. And as long as you're on point, you can get what you need done and you can just make it to that next level if you do want to move on from there. And Planet Fitness is nothing different, you know. (laughs) Use it as what it is. It's pretty much uh, on the house gym that could get you from, you know, place A to place B and try to keep your lifestyle going. Yeah. And for many people, I I have a lot of clients that travel And the biggest excuse is like, oh, well, you know, I didn't have a gym because I was out of town and blah, 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 blah. But even we, uh, my wife and I, we we belong to gyms that are all over the country just so we never have that excuse. But with Planet Fitness, I mean, man, $10 a month, there's no excuses there. And as, no. long, and as long as you have the knowledge of like, hey, guys, you know, there might be pizza around or, or some of this BS that it all gets the bad notoriety for. As long as you know that going in, like you can control your behavior. You can be just fine and go get your workouts in. Right. Uh, my patients aren't me. I mean, uh, very rarely do I see a patient that's obsessed with weightlifting like I am. Um, and so it's like I don't expect them to want to go to – a specialized gym. If they're if they're like me, then they're going to pay that extra money to go to the, the specialized gym, and they're not going to be as intimidated as as one of my. Pa- I mean, my patients would never go to a, a hardcore gym. Like, there's just <laughs> no way. And that's kind that's actually kind of why I want my own gym as a clinic because even Planet Fitness can be intimidating because of how big it is. Just it doesn't matter. There's everybody's there and doing stuff. And if you've never been into a gym before, you're by yourself. It can be intimidating. It doesn't matter, you know, where you go. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's even more intimidating walking into like, I think anyway, like a CrossFit box or something, someplace where they're doing heavy lifting and you've never even lifted before. And people are just, you know, squatting tons of weight, deadlifting, dropping weights, you know, throwing big plates around, you know, sprinting, grunting and all that type of stuff. So I understand maybe we can get to that point, but um, that's why Planet Fitness, I think, is at least less intimidating. Um, but if obviously, if I had my own gym, I'd be able to literally hold their hand, walk them through. There'd be more. The patients would be like them, you know, so they wouldn't feel out of place, and then um, really, basically, hold their hand until they get used to it. I think. Anyway. No, that would that would be a great system, like I said before. But you know, now that you're talking about these gyms, like I go back to all these popular TV shows, you know, The Biggest Loser, uh, Extreme Mm -hmm. Weight Loss. And at times you do see um, some of the clients that they're using on the show throwing back into like these CrossFit gyms. And Mm -hmm. I'm always like, yeah, yes, I do watch uh, Extreme Weight Loss, guys, just in case uh, that wasn't blatantly (laughs) clear. But, you know, some of these things, uh, they do have the medically oriented gyms, but it's always that sustainability factor of the lifestyle. Like, do you watch any of that stuff and uh, compare it to what you do in real life? Right. Yeah, no, I do. I do. I watch it. You know, everybody hates The Biggest Loser, and I understand why. I mean, it's it's unsustainable to work out for four six out whatever they do four or five hours a day yeah. i swear um uh, yeah so i i watch them just to kind of 
I want to see what they're doing. It's they get incredible results, but it's obviously not. It's not real life. But it's it. I think it's interesting at least. But it's um, yeah. I mean, I think they get good results for the show, right? Yeah, but results right. is you know quote unquote what happens five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Right. And, and I think that's the ultimate result, right? Right. And what you end up seeing is that most of them do gain their weight back because it wasn't, you know, it's these things aren't meant to be just like a short-term thing, go off on your own. The, the goal is to hopefully be able to lose weight and sustain, maintain it off. But, you know, the problem is, is that they put them through just ridiculous amounts of, of exercise that, you know, it's just, it's not, you can't maintain it. It's absolutely impossible unless you, that's what you do all day. It's just, you want to live your life on a treadmill the whole time. So, <laughs> But is that something that you think is, you know, say somebody does have the capacity to lose 100 pounds by going ham on the treadmill plus weight training plus all this other stuff for six, eight months at a time and they just go nuts. Would you rather see that and get the weight off as quickly as possible or would you rather see maybe two to three years to get that same amount of weight loss? Yeah, so um, I talk about this a lot. There, there are a lot of studies that kind of look into – you know, whether, you know, rapid weight loss versus, um, you know, more sustained, slower weight loss is better. And, you know, the, the thing is that, you know, then the study is comparing biggest losers to like ruin why gastric bypass. It's, it's just, you can't even compare it because one's changing the anatomies of, of somebody's, um, organs. And it's just, it's, it's different, uh, cause physiological things change. Um, versus if you do it through lifestyle. So it's, it's hard to really compare those things, but um, they did it anyways in some of these studies. But I, I, I think, I, I don't know, I don't have a, an actual, I, I think the, the, the thing that we'd want to look at is what what could we do to lose the weight that you can sustain forever type of thing. And, and what they do on The Biggest Loser is just, it's just not sustainable. So Maybe they weren't meant to lose that weight that quickly anyway. You know what I mean, I guess, if that yeah. makes sense. I mean, they, if, if they weren't going to do that crazy exercise plan, they weren't going to lose that weight that quickly anyway. So, I, you know, I would shoot for something that's more sustainable, of, you know, an hour of exercise a day, working towards building the muscle as opposed to just completely, you know, let's lose weight as fast as possible. Let's, let's try to um, – let's try to just – you know, do something that is sustainable as opposed to let's just just for the point of a TV show, I guess. But as you know, like you said, it it's just a TV show, but yeah, right. it is so powerful because the average person sits and watches like six hours of TV a day, and yeah. you know, if you're overweight, you are going to be drawn to shows like that, and yeah. all of a sudden, there's going to be this misconception that. Holy shit! This is what I have to do to lose this weight and be healthy. Yeah, like, I have right. to be on a treadmill three hours a day. This is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have you know people go in either direction. You have all right, let's do it. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna exercise three hours a day, and it's a burnout in a couple of weeks. Or you have the people that are like, oh, I could never do that. I'm just gonna stay right where I'm at. Yeah. So that's I, yeah. I mean, I think it is a dangerous. That's why it is kind of a dangerous show. <laughs> you know, it it does. It that's kind of pushes that that's what's required, and that's not necessarily what's required. Although, you know, um, that's probably what's required to drop that much weight that quickly without, you know, a, a, a gastric bypass or something like that. But yeah, no, I agree with you. 
Dude, let, let's switch gears a little bit here. We're winding down, but I, I want to know a little bit uh, about your current training because obviously I, I watch the videos on Facebook. Like I'm pretty impressed. And what's what's the goal right now? I know you did. Uh, what did you do? A, a try last year? Yeah. So two years ago, I did a bodybuilding contest. I always won. I, I re- you know I wrestled and went to actually Michigan State to play football. I ended up wrestling at UNC Chapel Hill, long, long story, but whatever, I was, I was their heavyweight for three years. Um, and, and so then after that medical school and my brother had done some bodybuilding competitions after his wrestling career. So I was like, all right, why don't I just do that? So I did a bodybuilding show. It was cool. I did, you know, novice won my division. Then I was like, well, okay, dieting down's not that fun, but so let's try something different. So I was like, I see all these other people doing triathlons, and I was like, well, I could do one of those sprint triathlons, but I, I'm not very good at swimming. So, you know, I got uh, Alex Viata. I'm sure you've heard of his name. Yeah. I, I hired him to coach me because he does all this stuff too. And so I said, hey, you know, give me a training program to to do this. Um, so I had to learn how to. I knew how to doggy paddle pretty well, <laughs> of course, and because I sailed when I was younger, so I had to sustain my head above water. So I, that's fine, but actually swimming for like you know time is something i never really did so learning how to do that was was interesting and i figured oh that's kind of fun so biking running swimming and then lifting at the same time to maintain my muscle um and that was cool i did well in, in that i don't think i want to do that again because i hate swimming i like <laughs> i realized i like to swim for fun but i don't like to swim for time it just it it took the fun out of exercise for me so um, right now, basically, I'm just all I'm really trying to do is is maintain you know my body and stay strong and you know if, if I can b- gain some muscle somehow and, and then that's fine. But really, I'm it's it's hard to at this point. I've kind of I feel like I've kind of maxed out my potential for how much effort I want to put in. I, I think if I wanted to put in more effort, I could really gain some muscle in certain areas in my body. But like, eh. I don't mind working out an hour a day and keeping what I have right now and, you know, maybe working on a few little, uh, you know, things like my shoulders or parts of my legs or something like that. Yeah, like an hour a day, that's still like a huge investment, especially with somebody as busy as you are, but it's one of those things. You have the home gym, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's decked out. It's not even just like, you know, some people get a few dumbbells and like a little bench. (laughs) No, I, I, in, in residency, um, you know, so you go for four years of medical school and you go to residency. So I did family medicine residency, which is three years. In your first year, your intern year is usually pretty busy. You don't have much time to do anything. So I said, I got to build a home gym and I'm, I'm not going to just do one of these like, you know, oh yeah, when, you know, I, I always read these articles about the, the home gyms, you know? So I'm like, I want, I want, I want it decked out. I want it to be like, no excuses. Like this is going to be an awesome home gym. So I invested a ton of money and slowly built it up to where it's like, Hey, if you can't, if you can't get an awesome workout at my home gym, you, you just, you don't know how to work out then, I guess. So, (laughs) I mean, I have the squat rack, um, that has the pull up bar and everything and it's, it's rogue. So it's built very, it's a very sturdy thing with, as much weight as you want to put on unless you're doing, you know, over like 600 pounds or whatever. Um, and then I, um, I have dumbbells that go up to 150. So, so if you, 
if you do over 150 pound dumbbells, then I, you know, I yeah, get out of the garage. Then. Yeah. <laughs> you need to go to one of those crazy gyms I was talking about. Cause I can't even, most of the gyms I go to, I find they don't even have dumbbells that go up to 150 pounds anymore. Nah, so no way. you have to get the special, you know, go to the special places and, you know, and then finally, um, well not finally, I, I got a, a glute ham razor GHD, um, that one, I was like, I need to get something for my hamstrings more than just the deadlifts and and good mornings and everything like that. Um, and then uh, I just got a, a, a leg press, like a squat, Cybex squat press, okay. which is like one of my favorite uh, leg presses. And I did that because like I'm starting to get weird, um, you know, hip and knee pains when I squat. I never used to get them. And so now I'm starting to develop that stuff to where I can't really squat every single time. So I don't know. I figured might as well get a leg press. I know some people are like, Oh, you're not hardcore, but I'm like, whatever. I'm it's like, I'm not even, I'm not even training for a powerlifting yeah, show. What are your I, goals? Yeah. I don't even care anymore. So whatever. <laughs> so yeah, that's, it's, it's, you can pretty much do everything, um, in my, in my gym other than I don't have like back machines, but I have a T bar, um, set up, you know, and I got the dumbbells, um, that go up so high. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know what else, what else you really need. No, I mean, you you can make anything work, but I, I agree. You know, some of these, oh, the ultimate home gym, a TRX strap, one kettlebell, yeah. and a pair of 25-pound dumbbells. All right, that's going to get old after like three weeks, and then yeah. you're going to be back to the gym anyway. So Right. I mean, like I can get my – you know, if I, I could probably make if, – if my patients want to do that and they want, they don't want to go to the gym, they they could probably get a fine workout and it would be it would be okay. But like, you know, I, I don't want to just do a fine – workout i want i want to kill it <laughs> yeah yeah you want to go in and just maximize your time investment yeah. every yeah. single time yeah for sure for sure all right man well where can people find more about you your website your book all of that yeah so my personal blog is drspencer.com d-r-s-p-e-n-c-e-r.com that's where you can find pretty much everything about me i have a blog with my brother docsulift.com um, and then also my, my books on Amazon, it's on Kindle, Audible, and then paperback. You can get that, uh, just go to Amazon and search the fat loss prescription and only buy it, uh, if you're going to review it and give me five stars. <laughs> <laughs> no guys, definitely go get that. Especially if you're uh, coaches and physios out there listening to this, it's something that you should read yourself just so you make sure that you have that knowledge and that you're dispelling the right knowledge to your clients. And then for those people that need a little bit more of a remediation than the couple hours a week that they spend with you, this would be a great gift book for any client that has the goals of fat loss and sustaining that fat loss for the long term. So head over there and get that because I have my, my copy right now. I'm holding it. It has a you know, nice, nice inscription on the first page. Uh, I couldn't really read half of it from Spencer's <laughs> doc notes, but there's something about jacked arms and laugh out loud. So I loved it. <laughs> Very good. All right, man. I appreciate your time on the Sunday morning and we will hear from you later on this year, hopefully, and have you back on. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks for having me. All right, dude. What a great episode with Dr. Spencer Nadolski today. I'm really glad that we got an actual doctor on the show for once, and he really had some great insight for obesity management, weight loss, and obviously practicing what you're preaching. If you guys loved this episode as much as I loved recording it, head over to iTunes, hit us up with a five-star review. And you know what? This week, 
If you screenshot your five-star review, you can send it over to me on Twitter, at John Russin. Share the picture, and the first one who does so is going to get my free 12-week functional hypertrophy training program. This thing has been going off in the industry, sells for 99 bucks, but the first person who puts that on Twitter gets it for free. All right, guys, until next time, I'm Dr. John Russin with the Strength Doc Podcast, hosted by UpDoc Media.